calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Realm presents Bullet Catcher, Season 2, Episode 15. Close to home. The wagon rolls into the empty lot. Amazing how much this place is starting to feel like home. The half circle of wagons, the dried scorch in the earth where the bonfire burns night after night. The big top, noticeably absent by the sand and wet straw on the ground. The wagon slides to a stop and not a moment later, the door swings open and there's Knack, a wide smile on his face and his hand outstretched to help me down. I take it, and he picks me up and spins me, holding on tight, before lowering me to the ground. What was that for? I ask, smiling, because he's smiling. It's just not how I thought it would all turn out, he says. At the end of the line, the doors to the last wagon open up, and out climb Nico and Lobo and Cass. You're telling me, I say. And I'm about to go over to them, but then Mal steps between us. She's staring at me something fierce. So you made it, she says, almost sounding disappointed. I made it. She looks over her shoulder at Nico and spits on the ground. Looks like you didn't finish the job, though. The job didn't need finishing. He never killed anybody. Look, there's Cass and Lobo. She fixes me with an evil eye. He never killed nobody? He's a gunslinger, ain't he? People like that are like wild dogs. You think you domesticated them, then one day they tear your throat out. That's enough, Mal, Nax says. I think Emma knows her brother better than us. She turns her glare on him. She don't. I know him. I've known countless like him, and they're all the same. She turns and marches away, back to her Vardo. 
We watch until the door slams behind her and the lights come on in her cabin. Even then, I can feel her eyes on me, hating me as though I had shot her in the back. She'll be fine, Nax says. You know how she gets. But by then, I've all but pushed Mal to the back of my mind. I run down the line of wagons and throw myself into Lobo's arms. He catches me with an oomph. And suddenly, with his spindly arms around me, and his smell of the Southland all around, I'm crying. And he just goes on holding me until I'm done. And then I step away and turn to wipe the tears from my eyes as if I'm fooling someone. When I turn back, both Lobo and Cass are looking away at something. I follow their gaze and find them staring at Mal's Vardo. What is it? I ask. Mad Dog Mallory, Cass says. We sit around the stove in Nack's Vardo. Nack, Lobo, Cass, Nico, and me. It's cramped and warm inside. Outside, the snow falls in large tufts, blanketing the dark ground in white. Mallory was young, like the rest of us, when the war started, Cass says. It was bad all over back then, but the kind of evil that war brings doesn't touch everyone equally. Some had it better, some had it worse. You could say Mallory had it worse than just about anyone. When the gunslingers caught up to her, they burned down her whole life, and they made sure she watched while they did it. When it was all ashes, they didn't even have the decency to kill her. By the time she escaped and joined back up with the bullet catchers, she was changed. She'd always been a mean son of a gun, but by then she was downright sadistic. I've seen her nail shut all the doors and windows of a house of a gunslinger and set fire to it, and just watch while the people inside pounded against the walls trying to get out. I've seen her pull the teeth one by one out of a man's head and cut out a man's tongue and watch as he drowned in his own blood. And for the rest of us, we just let her get on with it, because we knew what she'd been through and couldn't begrudge her a little vengeance. But if I'm being honest, we probably let her do it because we were afraid of her and because she struck fear in the gunslingers. We didn't run together for long. I was mean back then too, but not like that. And time came I couldn't stomach it any longer. When the war ended and there were so few of us left, and no one had heard anything of her for some time, I assumed she'd been killed. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I was relieved by the thought. Evil is born and evil is made, but the kind that's made is worse, because it's got purpose. It's an evil that won't rest till it gets what it needs. The fire crackles behind the grate, loud because of the silence fallen over us. Outside, the sound of a door opening and slamming closed rouses our attention, and we peer out the window as though expecting to see Mal marching across the snow-covered field toward us, her ears red from gossip and a murderous look on her face. But it's just one of the irregulars, running back to their Vardo after a late-night drink or tryst. So, what are you saying exactly? I ask, bringing everyone's attention back. I'm saying that Nico ain't safe here. Mallory don't care whether he's your blood or not. If she gets a chance, she'll kill him. What makes you think I can't handle myself? Nico says. Lobo pipes up for the first time, his eyes bloodshot, 
talking slow like he just woke up. It ain't that we don't think you can take her. But trust us when we say you don't want to stick around and risk finding out how it all shakes out. So we leave, I say. It's not like we can stick around here anyway. The gunslingers will have realized by now that Lobo and Cass are gone. They're already looking for us. Knack gets up and pokes the fire. I watch him do it, knowing he wants to say something, but also knowing there's nothing he can say that'll make me stay now. Agreed, says Lobo. We'll leave at first light. I have to tell you something. It's just Lobo and me, like old times, sitting by the fire, burning low, and everyone else turned in. Go on. I pull out the watch and hold it out for him to see. I broke it, I say, fighting back tears. I didn't mean to, it was so nice a thing, and I broke it. I'm so sorry. He looks at the watch in my hand, and then he smiles and closes my fingers around the dented case. It doesn't matter, he says. It's just a thing, a cheap thing my father gave me and that I passed down to you. It's the why it means something to you that matters. That's something that won't break. Not never. Lobo, Cass, and Nico sleep in my Vardo, but I'm not there. After I see everyone off to bed, I double back to Nack's place. We stay up talking, trying to cram years worth of conversations into a single night. We talk until it's so late it's almost early. Any moment I expect the sun to break over the tops of the buildings and signal my time to leave. I could come with you, Nack says, and I almost laugh. You can, but you won't. It's not because I don't care enough about you to run away with you. But what would the rest of them do without you? Anyway, he says, sighing and laying back against the headboard. It's not really goodbye. It's see you later. I lean over and kiss him and rest my head on his chest with my arm around him. The sun will be up soon. I speak the words into his shirt. We still have a little time he says, running his fingers through my hair. And I wonder, how many times can we lie to one another just to save our feelings? Yes, a little time still, I say, leaning up to kiss him again. And in this moment, I don't care if it's a lie or not. I believe it. I'm woken by a gunshot. I sit straight up in bed. The light slants softly through the window. From outside comes Mal's voice cursing and the sound of Vardo doors swinging open. Nat goes to the window and looks out. Shit, he says, pulling on his clothes. It's Mal and she's got a gun. We're out the door a moment later. Nat's suspenders hang down from his waist and his face is pale with sleeplessness and dotted with stubble. What the hell is going on, he demands as we march towards Mal. She's got a gun in her hand, the big angry looking one she used to train me. 
And the way she holds it, down by her waist, I can tell there's more bullets in the chamber. The air smells sharply of gun smoke. The other irregulars watch, halfway inside their Vardos, in case she starts shooting again. Lobo and Cass stand on the far side of the field, their stances wide, their fingers twitching by their waists, daring Mal to take another shot. There's no sign of Nico. I come to kill that gunslinger, she says, but that damn traitor who dares call himself a bullet catcher got the jump on me. She motions with her gun towards Lobo and spits on the ground. No one's dying today, says Nack, approaching her. She lifts the gun in his direction and cocks the hammer. Don't you take another step, youngin. I'll drop you faster than you can blink. You wouldn't, he says, but he stops all the same. Just try me. And damn it if Nack doesn't raise his hands and just go on walking towards her. She raises the gun to head level but doesn't shoot. Nack gets within a couple feet of her. Then he reaches out his hand and says in a calm voice, Now, give me the gun, Mal. No reason we can't all walk away from this. She lowers the gun a bit. There we go, says Nack. And then she pulls the trigger and shoots Nack through the leg. He cries out and drops to a knee. Mal ducks behind him and turns him around so he's facing me. His face is twisted in pain. She presses the barrel of the gun into his side and he doesn't even dare to clamp down on the wound with his hands. Mal calls to me. I told you even lambs are good for something. Don't do this, Mal, I cry. She presses the gun so hard into Nack's side that he winces. She fixes me with one of her evil looks and says, I showed you how to be strong, girl. These people would make you weak. Why? Because I love them? Because they love me? Love? <laughs> There's no such thing. They want you only for what you give them. The door to my Vardo swings open and out steps Nico, wearing his dark gunslinger clothes. The mere sight of him makes Mal's nose flare with anger and she turns to face him, twisting Knack around with her. He grits his teeth but doesn't make a sound. He faces her. The wind takes the tail of his trench coat, revealing his hands on the butts of his guns. You wanted me, bullet catcher. You got me. They stare each other down. The wind dies. There's no sound at all. Everyone holds their breath. Mal lifts the gun quick as lightning, but Nico's gun is already in his hand. And when they shoot, the reports are so close together as to be the same sound. A boom like the sky cracking. I don't wait to see how it all turns out. I'm running at Mal as fast as my legs will carry me. She senses me too late. She looks up, just in time to see my fist. I connect with her nose and she goes sprawling to the ground. I kick the gun away. And the next thing I know, I'm straddling her waist and punching her over and over. My fists are wet with blood. Then there are arms around me, pulling me away. And when I look up, it's Nico. He's okay. And I just throw my arms around him. And all of a sudden, I can't even understand how I could have ever hated him the way I have all this time. I'm sorry. He says it into the top of my hair, and I just squeeze him tighter. It's only then that I remember Mal. But when I look up, she's gone, with only tracks in the snow leading from the lot to the street. Did anyone see where she went? But the irregulars just shake their heads. 
They'd been tending to Knack, who already has a tourniquet wrapped around his leg. He shot the bullet out of the air, says Rado. He's holding something in his hand, and when he opens it up, there are two pieces of bronze metal glinting in the morning sun flattened together. I've never seen anything like it, he says. There was the gun blast and then a flash, like horseshoes sparking on a rail. Nico spins his guns. Nice to know I'm still good for something. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. We've wasted time we don't have dealing with Mal. The rest of the morning goes by like a blur, and the next thing I know I'm loaded into a carriage waiting to leave. Kef sits up in the driver's seat, the reins in his lap, waiting. He's volunteered to pilot us out of the city. When I thanked him, he laughed and said, Gets me out of having to help pack up. The door hangs open and Nack stands with his bad leg resting on the sideboard. He's watching as a few irregulars bridle and ready the horses. He takes my hand and holds it without looking at me. Steam drifts from his nose like cigarette smoke. His face is red and chapped and tired. I hope this isn't the last time I see him. And as though he's reading my thoughts, he looks up and smiles and says, We'll be right behind you, after we pack up all the gear and everything. I know, I say, smiling down at him. The door on the other side of the carriage opens and slams closed, and there's Nico and Cass and Lobo piled inside. Time to go, cub, Lobo says. Knack pulls me closer and kisses me. A few days, that's all. I know, I say. Don't forget the hidden compartments under the benches in case you get stopped. He lets me go and closes the door. Kev shakes the reins and the carriage jolts forward the wheels sliding on the ice-licked earth. We ride in silence until we get to the city limits, and then the carriage slows and Kev shouts down to us, Better get everyone hidden. There's a checkpoint. We open the secret compartments, and Lobo, Cass, and Nico squeeze inside. 
After this, we're home free, I say, as I'm about to close the lid. You forget how dogged the gunslingers can be, says Lobo seriously. Now is no time to go off your guard. I nod and seal them inside. The wagon comes to a stop and a rapping comes from the door. I swing it open and a gunslinger leans in, takes a look at me and says, Oh, only you, ma'am? Only me. Are you a resident of Gildan? Visiting relatives. He looks me over and I'm painfully aware of how little disguise I'm wearing. The only thing, a pair of lambskin gloves hiding my missing trigger finger and tattoo. And just at the moment I think he's going to ask me to step outside, another gunslinger says something to him that I can't quite make out. All right, he shouts back. And then he tips his hat at me and says, Safe journey, ma'am and closes the door. The carriage starts moving and I let out my breath. Once we're out of sight, I dare to let the others out from their hiding place. And we're all smiling and too tired and relieved to say anything. It takes us three nights of traveling and camping to make it to damnation and the border. Each night we veer off the road far enough to make a small fire and heat some beans and swap stories and laugh in stifled voices so the wind doesn't carry the noise too far. It feels not unlike the old times, when it was just Lobo and me after we left our mountain, traveling the large gaps between here and there, camping in the dunes, warming the cold desert nights with talk and a fire. Now, damnation rises over the icy crest like an old friend. The last stop before the wind and snow and bitter cold gives way to the sun and heat of home. Nico leans out the window watching the city grow larger as we near it. His face is bright and happy. But then he seems to see something and squints his eyes at the horizon. He ducks back inside and says, There's another roadblock. They must have figured that we managed to get out of the city. Should we avoid damnation then? I ask. Cass shakes her head. Damnation has the only road leading down the side of the plateau. We'd have to travel hundreds of miles to find another crossing. By the time we roll up to the roadblock, everyone is in their hiding places. I keep telling myself there's no reason to think this will go any less smooth than when we left Gildan. But I can't keep my heart from racing. Outside, I hear Kef exchanging words with one of the gunslingers. The door swings open, revealing a squarely built figure. He wears a wide-brim hat, guarding his face. His gun is already drawn, hanging limp at his waist. He doesn't say anything. He climbs up into the carriage and takes a seat across from me. I figure he just wants to question me inside, out of the weather. But then he removes his hat, and his oily silver hair falls down to his shoulders. It's Mal. Her lips downturned in a snarl. You should know me well enough by now to know I wouldn't just let you go, she says. We can settle this between the two of us, I say, steadying my nerves. Too late for that, hun. That's a whole garrison of gunslingers out there. I'm the one who told them to expect you. Fine. Then take me in. I think I'd rather just kill you. You and your gunslinger-loving friends you have stowed under the seats. My heart skips a beat. And she must see it on my face because she flashes a cruel smile and says, 
You forget I rode with the Irregulars for a long time. I know all of Nack's silly tricks. The gun rests on her thigh, her finger on the trigger. There's a tense moment where we size one another up, guessing at who will make the first move. It's me. Anticipating her shot the moment before Mal lifts the gun and squeezes the trigger. I leap in front of the bullet, catching it in midair, folding my hands over it and pushing it away. It goes sailing harmlessly out the top of the carriage. My hands are on fire and wet and slick with blood. The bullet bit hard into my palm, spraying blood across the interior of the cabin. But there's no time to think of that now. I leap for Mal and wrestle her for the gun. We fall onto the floor of the carriage and out of the corner of my eye, I spot the shapes of more gunslingers filling the open door, come to investigate the gun blast. The gun goes off again, spooking the horses. The carriage takes off. Mal digs her elbow into my neck and my vision blurs and the colors bleed into one another. The next thing I know, she's on top of me with the gun in one hand and the other around my neck. I always knew you were weak, she says. She tightens her grip on my neck. This is it. All I can think is how close we were to making it and how I'll never see Knack again to tell him I'm sorry I didn't keep up my end of the deal. And when the shadow falls over me, I think it's my vision going black. But then over the clattering of the carriage bumping along the road, I hear Lobo shout, Get off her! He tackles Mal, pinning her to one wall of the carriage. Two pairs of hands grab my shoulders and pull me off the floor, and when I get my senses back, I see Nico and Cass standing like a wall between me and Mal. She kicks Lobo away and dives on top of him. Nico's gun is in his hand, but there's too much chaos for him to take a shot. If he misses, he could hit Lobo. Traitor! Mal yells, going for Lobo's throat. She lets out a scream that could wake the dead. She goes for his face, like she's trying to gouge his eyes out, but he manages to bring his knees to his chest and plant his boots against her stomach. He kicks and Mal goes flying out the open door of the carriage. I stick my head out the window to see where she ends up, but there's too much dust from the wagon to get a good idea. The carriage is rushing along the narrow lane between the river and a long line of covered market stalls, passing so close to the shops that the wheels clip along the awnings, collapsing them onto the seller's wares. You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 2 by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Rome, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe, produced by Marco Palmieri, and executive produced by Molly Barton, performed by Inez del Castillo. 
Audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona. <laughs>